All right, Ethan, welcome to the show. Thanks a lot for coming. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Great. You want to just give a brief intro on who you are, what your company does, how much you've raised, customers, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah, of course. Um, so my name is Eitan Bensusan. I'm the CEO and the co-founder of North One. Uh, North One is a um, neobank or a challenger bank for small businesses. Um, we serve small businesses pretty much across America. Um, I think, you know, just the, the, the while we, we spend our time in technology and banking, the mission of the company, you know, ironically, doesn't, doesn't actually talk about either of those. Um, our goal is to build a finance department inside of every small business in America. And we use um, the bank account as the foundation of that promise and technology as the, 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 the vessel through which to, to build that. Um, but really, it's about um, the small business and their ability to run effective you know, finance ops at their scale. Um, and you know, the company to date has raised uh, about $90 million. Amazing. And you guys serve what now? Like, I, I think I read on the website a couple of hundred, hundred thousand businesses, right? Yeah. I mean, we've, we've, COVID was a big boost and um, we, we've actually become uh, really good at finding small businesses that are in need of a better bank account. Uh, and that, that's a really a testament to the team and, and what they've been able to do. Yeah, amazing. Um, as I told you offline, we, we use you guys at, at Index. Um, happy customers. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm happy to hear that. Uh, um, so yeah, let's go back to the early days. How did you guys, or, or let's, let's start here. How do you define product market fit, like in general, as, as a concept? Yeah. Um, I think there's, it, it's a kind of thing where we, 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 at different parts of our evolution, we have found different proxies for it. You know, um, Pre-launch, we actually had a hundred thousand businesses on a wait list that wow. you know were had asked for access to an account, and so the you know the um, open rates on that wait list, you know the the inter the engagement that it gave, gave us some sort of a, a distant proxy for product market fit, um, and then in, after launch, um, there were two things that were really driving our 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 iteration towards stronger and stronger product market fit. The first one was um, how how quickly um, customers that were using our products started using it as their primary tool, their primary bank account. Um, that was, you know, just a, you know, a deep in engagement. So it's not about necessarily scale as much as it is the intensity of usage that we were seeing. And the second one was the retention of those folks. How are they doing, you know, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 months after they started first using us. And so that became the early part. And then the later stage, it really was, um, you compound on those, we started just seeing the natural um, increases in efficiency in our growth. Um, it was just happening, like the compression was happening, you know, almost uh, felt almost like it was getting compressed by forces of the universe. Like we're just acquiring more and more efficiently. And um, we were also seeing just a natural referral rate amongst our customers that was hovering close to 30% at some points. Oh, wow. So we were seeing a lot of different, you know, ways to feel it. And I think, oh, you know, when you take a step back and you, you think, you know, so what does this all mean? It just, it, it's felt at different points that there was, you know, just broader forces at work that were pulling us into existence. And we had to obviously like, you, know, you have to surf it, you have to navigate that wave and engineer it sometimes. But certainly there were, there were strong pulls that we were able to, um, to make, to make use of. Incredible. I mean, you and me have obviously been in contact since 2017, mm -hmm. as we were just mentioning. Um, and I remember when you just launched the waitlist, you had like 
thousand people. Like, how did you get to one hundred thousand people? Wait, that's insane. <laughs> Painfully, um, I think. Look, the, the I, first, I remember you like, even had the thing like the the number the of like the number of people on the wait list and stuff, right? Yeah, <laughs> I remember you had that in the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. look, it, in the beginning, it was. I mean, literally anything that I would go to uh, e-commerce meetups and give them a, a session on structured problem solving. In exchange, I would say, look, I'm building this. If any of you are interested, you know, sign up um, with the name of your business and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And so that got us, you know, first few hundred, maybe even 2000 folks in these kind of very random acts. But then at a certain point, we were able to start seeing through the data who was signing up. And as you start serving them, you know, what, why were they? And then we became a little more systematic about it. We were able to um, look for pockets of customers. So we would you know, not just go to small meetups, but we'd actually go to groups, like online groups and forums of these communities, and we'd be able to talk about ourselves. And we'd move to even bigger scale. Uh, we started creating tools that we knew these groups were using or wanted to use, and we'd make them for free. So we spent our early product budgets building, you know, um, an invoice maker that we launched free and at one point had about a quarter million MAUs. Um, but because a lot of the folks that were really interested in new bank accounts told us that, the, you know, the first six months of running their business, one of the first tools they ever chose was like, I need to make an invoice. And many of them started on Microsoft Word or Google Docs. Um, but they said, wow, there's got to be an easier way to have to type up the whole thing every time and then go shopping. And so we said, well, what a nice way to give them value in advance by creating a free invoice maker for them. And then, you know, the, the very subtle ask was, look, if you're using this and you like it, we're actually building this, you know, this bank product that you should explore. And if you want, you know, sign up. And so it, it, we created maybe a dozen of those tools um, over time, some of which were completely, you know, flops <laughs> and were a sure, lot of waste, sure. but some of them gave us huge, huge, um, access to customers that eventually helped us iterate our way to um to launch so that's actually i remember when you guys launched that i think i remember emailing you asking like are you guys pivoting um <laughs> like why did you how did you decide to do that in face of like you know was it because you were waiting for the license or the contract or like what, what was going on in the background for you to decide to do that instead of just focus on the core yeah. product well for, for better or for worse <laughs> um at the beginning stages of the company, we couldn't do anything. Uh, you know, we were being kind of bounced around like a ping pong ball amongst different bank partners, trying to figure sure. out you know who was the right fit or not. And um, it was just taking time. And you know, in that time, we said, "Well, look, if we can't, if we don't, if you don't have the right partnerships yet, um, we're still trying to figure out. You know, that that has a big implication: the kind of product you're going to build, et cetera." what are the ways where we can make it such an obvious case that when we find the bank partner that we want and we find the investors that we want, we show them that there's such a demand for what we're building. It's an obvious choice to go with us. And I think the insight I got was I'd be talking to um, bank partners and other partners for our product. And they just said, look, man, like I got 30 people like you shopping around for a partner. Give me a reason to believe. And it was um, so the, the, you know, the, the immediate thing was like, well, let's, you know, we know that there's customers who want what we're doing. We've got to show it to them. And so we became very diligent on demonstrating that the market was ready and that these that they could be part of a supply chain that gets this product to the market. And, and that really helped us focus while we were waiting to build the actual thing. Incredible. Um, yeah, interesting, because I mean, when we were launching Penta, at least um, we were just 100% focused on the core banking experience and 
you know, we didn't really think, or we also didn't have the money, frankly, to, to think beyond that. Um, and so just kind of moving to those early days and, or let's say the invoicing solution itself, like how simple, like who was your initial target market and was that part of the invoicing solution? Well, yeah, the initial target market, at first it was like anybody who, who, who had like a heartbeat, right? Like who would care? <laughs> um, but then you then are able to sift through that and be like, oh, this is someone like these people are writing me every single week asking me about like a feature I'm thinking about. Like, so there was this cohort and like I was, I was, I was customer support in those days. So I would respond and you started seeing, you know, patterns of these kinds of customers always are very eager. We even had some customers like send us money saying, I want to book my account right now. Don't let this go. You know, so you'd have these kind of signals. And so it really became to us to then, okay, call them, get on a 30 minute call, have a conversation, understand almost like from an anthropological, like, who are you? What kind of a community are you part of? Like, what are the sure. tools you using that you are so interested in this kind of candidly insane proposition that doesn't even exist yet? And as we started seeing these themes, those became growth factors for us. And we started becoming really, really good at identifying the the growth factors that would lead you to more of those people. It's actually the first time I heard um, of kind of this offline marketing. Like you right. said, at least for the events and stuff. That's actually fantastic. I wish more people... I mean, I wish I, I actually did more of that. To tell you the truth, I, I, like we we are when we launched, we handed out um, roses actually at this one, at this one coworking space back in 2018. And I remember, you know, small things like that helped, <laughs> but I feel like you guys really doubled down on these things. Um, it was roses for Valentine's Day. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm just like thinking back to us because again, it's like the same product, different country, obviously. Yeah. Um, and then, so like, what were other channels though? So other than kind of guerrilla marketing, let's call it, or like events, like. What were some online channels or? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, this actually shifted quite a bit. So in the early days, we had um, a lot of these tools that would be kind of inbound leads for us. Then we started doing a lot of, um, you know, focused community events. So we would go to New York and kind of hit places up. But at a certain point, we started wanting to get more scale in that. So we actually got really into Facebook chatbots. Um, wow. We created, you know, f um, financial business financial management checklists. But the actual way was to interact with people on Facebook as a chat. That gave us a lot of good. At that time, you could get really good targeting information on who's interacting with you, and based on their answers, you decide if you actually would want to retarget them. Um, we started using all of these things that were, um, you know, we got very involved on um, launching our tools on Product Hunt. You know, using each one of those mini launches as a source of. Um, you know, people for the broader product. And then um, we started putting a very small budget into Facebook at the time, et cetera, but never, never very much because again, we couldn't monetize those customers, but we, we just wanted to test out whether or not what we were learning, let's call it like offline or, or out of direct response could actually turn into real audiences in direct response. And so that, that led us down that path of, of, of figuring that out. Can we can you elaborate on those bots? How did mm -hmm. that how did that help with acquisition with with you know with yeah yeah well I mean so for example um, we we launched this thing called the financial health checklist and it was a standalone tool on Product Hunt but then we actually realized that you could turn it into a, a chat bot on Facebook and so um, we were then able to we were part of a lot of Facebook groups and communities that had meaningful scale in the small business space and so we dropped it there and we told people about it and a lot of people interacted with it. They became very, very, it was a very valuable tool. It gave you a lot of good, like 
you know, resources, they were well thought out. And um, we just kept on building. And so the, the thing was, as soon as it got like a little bit of love, we were mining the audiences that we're interacting with and figuring out where are they spending their time. And as a result of that, like we were like, ah, the people who like interacting with this stuff and actually end up signing up for the wait list, they tend to also be following, you know, into it on Intuit Business on uh, Facebook. And they also intend to follow these. So we started realizing there were these clusters and then we were able to kind of go, go to those communities and kind of scale even more. Super smart. You got to send me this afterwards. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> I, I would love to do this for index actually. Um, That's awesome. Okay. And, um, and in terms of kind of, you know, expanding, expanding the market itself, like, mm -hmm. you know, what is it, what does it look like going from a couple of hundred, let's say even a thousand customers to like 10,000, 20,000 and moving upwards from there, like really yeah, I, nailing product market fit, you know? I mean, I think it, it's, it's that this, the, the product market fit is elusive. And that's the thing that is like always this like baseline of paranoia. Um, what works for your first, you know, 500 customers, you realize that you're poking, like you're, you're, you're trying to make it work for the next thousand or 10,000, but um, it's really easy to fall off course um, and to kind of lose where that is at. So um, it's, it's really been about like constantly getting in front of the customers that are showing us the most love, interviewing them, you know, recording the sessions, watching the way they interact. Even like we even had a time when we would ask all of our customers to send us the home screen of their phone as a picture. So we could see like, well, what are they interacting with? Like, what's the go-to things that they use as a means of kind of constantly thinking about what are the comparables they're using? What's the kind of um, envi digital environment they're living in, which would give us more confidence that we were iterating the product, the, the go-to-market, the copy, and et cetera, on um, things that made sense to these customers. Let me give you an example of how this expressed itself in real life. You know, when we, early, early days, we just didn't know who would pick up this product. We had hypotheses, but we thought that at least, you know, in beta, the early adopters would probably be more digitally native folks, you know, maybe some web designers, the, the, um, you know, a couple of, of graphic designers who, who are like just used to testing things out. Um, and so we thought we were prepared for that, but the, the folks that was really great was that the folks who started using us very early were the people we actually hoped would, which was, you know, small businesses of, you know, who are not necessarily deeply digital that they're just, you know, they're fine, but they're looking for better tools and our ability to have distinguished between, well, someone is using us. Um, but when you look at it, oh, this person actually works in the middle of Wisconsin on a construction site. And then you get to talk to them and you're like, well, why would you choose us? You know, we would have thought that someone like in a, in a WeWork cafe was more likely to, to, to pick something up like this. Like, oh, well, you know, I'm driving 45 minutes to the branch every week to, to deposit, you know, $300 of checks. Like, it makes no sense. I'm looking for anything that can bring the bank back to my pocket or to my truck. And then you start like, this is, a, this is like an amazing theme that helped us disprove a lot of old hypotheses and make some new ones. And so we looked for, you know, people in branch deserts where there was no branches around them. We looked for um, people who were, you know, in um, communities where you just couldn't really find good access to financial services. These become, these became very, very good sources of customers for us. Um, and that's, that's an example how if we hadn't talked to them at every step of the way, we wouldn't have seen these threads emerge. We would have just thought like, oh, okay, well, here's like, here's an engineer in the middle of Wisconsin who's using us. That's pretty cool but there was so much richness in bringing that into an interview, you know, really kind of digging into their lives and, and seeing these very different motivations and purchasing 
uh, journeys than we would have expected at first. Interesting. I actually want to dive deeper into kind of expanding product market fit. Like what mm-hmm. you said, you're always kind of looking over it. So how does how would you guys be working with an offline business? Or you know, I'm assuming you guys went 100% online to then you know more offline businesses like or like you know cash and all that stuff. Like, what does that process look like? Yeah. So I think from the get go, you know, the, the original target was how do we find you know, small businesses on Main Street. But we, we kind of had a feeling that we might have to start slightly somewhere else just based on who picks up. And so the initial hypothesis was you're going to need a cohort of early adopters to at least de-risk the product for the next cohort, which was, you know, the people we were targeting or hoping to target ultimately. So part of it was build, sometimes we had to build a kind of a, if you build it, they will come, which sounds counterintuitive, but we very early on went to find cash deposit partners because we knew that it, it just, a gating factor to these businesses to ever consider us if it meant they couldn't deal with cash anymore. So, so it was really about making some, you know, bets that they were almost binary. If this bet is true, a lot opens up. Um, and we, you know, had to just make some bets and hopefully get them right. But as we, as we expanded, you know, the, the real product market fit for us became, um, I'd call it um, product channel fit. That became a really big piece of it because the product seemed to be working fairly well for the customers. And, you know, you can you iterate on the copy and the, and, the, and the visuals to make it feel more, you know, um, well, well placed for them. But the real challenge on the product market was actually finding those channels that brought you consistent, consistent sources of these customers so that you had compounding gains as opposed to kind of just being split into a thousand directions with like many different customers who want something different and kind of, you do nothing well for anybody. Um, so the, the the real, I think, furious iteration we did on channel, um, on channel management and, um, you know, audience and marketing copy was very helpful because it, it allowed us to get more of the same people, which is ideally what you want in early stages where you're trying, you're getting one product that works for, for many, many, many more. Um, and so the comp- product market fit compounds. Can you elaborate on what did copy changes actually do? Was this copy on, on ads, on the website, on everything? Yeah, it was, it was on everything. Um, I'll give you an example. Uh, you know, we, we found that the, the fewer tech terms we use and the fewer banking terms we use, the more, the better activation we got. And that's because the customers that we were talking to were, you know, classic businesses who were starting to really pursue, you know, a digitization strategy of their business. But they didn't feel like the, the broader tech community was talking to them. They felt like that's Star Trek. That's not for me. Like I don't understand. Like we didn't. We've never even announced our raise to our customers because they're not thinking about runway or raises or anything like that. Like it's a completely different thing. And so when you insert those that dialogue for them, it just um, it just creates an, another layer of distance between the two of you. So we spent a lot of time trying to really. Um, talk on on their terms um obviously being authentic but really so talk on their terms so we 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 made it as plain simple english as possible and we try to if if there was a thing that a bank would do we we would say well how do we actually do the better version the one that you know these folks say that that was built for me and so it changed the way we talked about even like the way that we asked questions in onboarding um using you know instead of how much do you project you will make over the next year it's you know what what kind of revenue or you know what kind of earnings are you expecting or revenues are you expecting over the next 12 months 
like just trying to break it down into simple language versus using more technical words was just such a helpful way to smooth out bumps um, as we try to pursue, you know, deeper product market fit. And it goes everything from your marketing copy. Um, you know, we found that some, you know, originally we, we found that some benefits that we thought were so obvious really didn't speak to this audience at first. So what people really wanted to get at, at top of funnel was a visceral, like, ah, um, I'm going to spend less time in a branch. I'm going to, you know, um, never be on hold. Like these are really valuable benefits and the benefit of, you know, integrate into all your tools. So that really didn't resonate well. Um, at first, that was actually like a second order value proposition where as they start kind of becoming more aware, they'll give you a little more of their mind share where you can say, you know, by the way, we integrate with all these tools. You might use some of them and they're like, oh yeah, that's true. And so it, it was kind of figuring out the ordering of that messaging and um, how to actually talk effectively. And then, and then you kind of, you know, you do as many variations of that as possible to figure out and then you test them against each other, figure out the ones that work best. And you just, you know, you, you max those out. Incredible. You guys just sound like radically customer oriented and driven. I think it's a, it's like a perfect example for any early stage founder. Um, <laughs> and then how do you, how do you guys, you know, looking at, looking at banking today, um, <laughs> it just become more commoditized, right? Um, yep. like yeah, there's, there's ch- when, when, when we were both starting, I guess, you know, there was, basically no one in the market. Now there's, there's everybody. How are you guys looking at kind of that identity and growth and, you know, looking at competition for the next you know five years onwards? Yeah. It's funny. You know, we, as a founder, you look at competition in two ways. You look at the way your customer sees competition and the way that your investors see competition. They're very, very different. Um, in investor land, your competition is essentially all other startups in your vertical. And so, you know, you have to think about, you know, how do I, how are we positioned relative to those and why is that more valuable or not? But for your customers, they were seeing the world, like they don't know any other startups in this space. And if they do, they're not like particularly thinking these are my only two choices in the world. You know, in the banking space, they're thinking I have these big five banks. I have these 20 small community banks. I can choose them. Or I have this North one and maybe even another startup bank that, you know, or challenger bank that um, I can choose from. It's such a different selection set that you, or, or a portfolio that they're looking at. It actually became really important to then think about how are we, what are they weighing in their minds as they consider all of these? And just this is just really just spending more time with them um, and saying, like, you know, why wouldn't you have gone to Wells Fargo? What was what was blocking you there? And then you know you find something. Okay, well, what about the community bank? Like you you know the people that work there. They're like you told me that they go. You know, your your kids go to school with their kids. So why not? Go there and you find those reasons. And then it helps you then really position yourself. And I think the hardest thing as a founder is actually compartmentalizing these two competitive maps in your mind. It's it's so easy to think that your competitive map is what the investor community thinks is your competitive map, but they have very different motivations. They're trying to figure out what the best bet is to make in a vertical. They're not actually trying to think, you know, who will like, if, if customers only have the choices of startup pool they pick, they're, they're looking at a different calculus. And um, it took me some time to realize that I, I actually had to almost think of these as, as related, but separate exercises. Yes. Yeah, but on oftentimes, yeah, people, people, people think it's a startup, but it's actually the incubants that are the biggest problem, whether it's healthcare, banking, whatever it is, I couldn't agree more. Um, yeah. Coming, just coming to the conclusion of this, of this chat, um, any final comments, thoughts for founders, early stage, pre-seed seed looking for, product market fit, what's like that number one thing you'd 
Tom Foxon. Yeah, um, I, I would say product market fit is, is built and not found, right? I think there's this romantic notion that I certainly, like at one point, you know, was trying to figure out, which is, you know, how do you find this product market fit? You, know, you kind of stumble into it. Maybe that's true in some like very unique cases, but you, you have to engineer your way. You know, so you know how people say like, you know, um, it's not that people are lucky, they, they're prepared for the opportunity. Yeah. So it, it's that approach to this, this product market fit thing, which is, you know, assume everything is wrong and then go think about the biggest risks you have to kind of take off the table as you make your way to product market fit. And, and as you, if you're intellectually honest and you're actually speaking to customers, um, you start finding that you're getting closer and closer. Um, but it's, it's actually full of heavy lifting. And then the output is perhaps a, window of product market fit and your you then your whole goal in life is to say how can i not let this window close how can i kind of you know make Double it so down. eventually you know it's yeah. it's self-perpetuating yeah, yeah yeah definitely definitely i love i love that quote by the way product market is not balance built that's so spot on <laughs> um cool man thanks a lot for your time um any any other final comments no my my pleasure and this is i'm, I'm just I, I appreciate the opportunity it's great great all right thanks a lot all right cool thanks a lot luca